Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnor, founder of leading Australian podcast agency, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome back to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. What happens when the pillars of your identity change overnight? And how do we be brave to forge our own path? In today's episode, we sit down with CEO and founder of talent management agency, Day Management, and Forbes 30 Under 30 listee, Genevieve Day. In this inspiring episode, Jen shares how her practical experience meant more than a piece of academic paper, why success rarely comes down to luck, and how to leave that pesky imposter syndrome at the door. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, welcome, Jen. Jen, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me on. What an honor. Oh, oh my goodness. I absolutely love it. Amazing. So, you know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work that you're doing and kind of the talent management space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh my goodness. When I got to see who else has been on the Peers Project as well, I was going deep in the archives, listening (laughs) to everything. It's such an awesome program. And, you know, I'm so glad there are resources like this out there for other business owners and entrepreneurs. And it's such a great way to foster the community. Oh, I so appreciate that, Jen. (laughs) We love having you and we love having all of you amazing humans on the show. Awesome. So, you know, look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I started up Day Management, which is a digital talent agency in 2015. And back then it was very much the birth of influencer marketing. So we were working with what was traditionally bloggers still. That's, you know, making me feel old referencing influencers and talent as that. But we um, started just really prominently in the fashion space and kind of broke ground there as one of the first influencer marketing agencies in the country. And since then, the last six years, we've had quite the evolution and now get to work with amazing talent and creatives, which includes podcasters, media personalities, authors, artists, models, a whole range of really exciting people. And so what my role at Day Management is to connect these awesome creatives with brands that align with their values and really help elevate these personalities. So it might be doing Instagram sponsored posts at, you know, the bare minimum. It can be getting them a book deal, you know, getting them on TV, monetizing their podcast, ambassador campaigns. The sky's the limit really. So That's a very long answer to your question, what I do. (laughs) 
I absolutely love it, Jen. And I have to give you a bit of a shout out here. I mean, you rep some incredible Australian personalities. And, um, you know, when I was talking to my team about having you on the show, they were like, oh, my goodness, she's massive. (laughs) Well, that's so lovely. It's so funny because I think as well, like, our role is to be invisible. It's that weird position in market where, you know, if you see our talent doing awesome things, we obviously have our fingerprints all over it, but it's great to see them on the billboard and them to get all the glory. So it is always nice and we get a bit of recognition as well. But, yeah, we're so lucky to work with some really huge names and faces like Flex Mommy, you know, Sarah Davidson of Seize the A fame, you know, the Real Dads of Melbourne, artist Rachel Sara. There's, you know, too many to even list because um, we'd be here all day. But, yeah, we feel so blessed to work with people who are not only amazing creators with a huge platform but also really align with our values and all doing really positive things on social media. Oh, I absolutely love it, Jen, and I can't wait to dive deeper into your work and and what you do. But before we do, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, what did your parents do? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Oh, I love this question. Well, my mum is a teacher and my dad is a doctor. So he is a neurophysiologist, which is like a brain doctor that specializes on muscular disorders. So in a nutshell, he's a genius basically. (laughs) And I inherited none of those scientific skills. Um, But I think their impact on me was enormous in the way growing up, I got to observe such a strong work ethic. Mm. And I think we got to really you know, have a great lifestyle growing up. I was so fortunate, but I really saw, okay, this comes from my dad working really hard and he leave leave the house at 7am and he comes home from the office at 7pm and then he goes into his study and has to do more work and, you know, more for his career. And we moved around a lot as well for his work. Even before I was born, they moved around Australia. They lived in America for a bit. My sister was born there and then I was born in Perth where they were living for my dad's work as well and then came back to Melbourne where we're from. So I think it was really great to see that work ethic growing up um, and both my sister and I have completely inherited that and we're both workaholics. So it's Yeah, it was a really positive effect. Um, And I think as well, like my parents saw us as kids as adults. So they kind of didn't dumb things down for us and they didn't baby us and they emphasized the importance of academia and school. Um, So, yeah, I think I was able to come out of that kind of childhood and adolescence with a really strong foundation of how important knowledge is and learning and curiosity And to work hard, you can achieve anything. I love that. And I love when you said that they didn't dumb anything down for you. You know, what did that look like? You know, perhaps you were, you know, your teens trying to just make it work at school. And, you know, what did that look like for you? And I guess, how do you think that impacted your entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah, I mean, I'm the youngest. It's just my sister and I, and she's five years older than I am. And that was quite challenging, you know, when I'm 10 and she's 15. It's quite a big gap in learning and social skills and everything. And it would be the little things, like we'd all be playing a board game. And there's no way anyone in my family is going to let the 10-year-old win. (laughs) (laughs) And it was those, yeah, little things where, like, they're not going to dumb things down. They're not going to let me get away with it. They're like, you can one day be as smart as us, Mm. but we're not going to let you win Boggle right now. (laughs) So a lot of like healthy, you know, competition and encouragement that way. Um, Hilariously, no one in my family runs a business. There's not one DNA of entrepreneurship in me. I think I was just born like this. I think I've always kind of enjoyed that bigger picture approach to things. I didn't like being told what to do. I wanted to figure out what's the best way to do something and how can I work smarter, not harder. And so in that way, I kind of rejected the notion of my dad, the doctor, or my sister, the lawyer, and I wanted to forge my own path. And it was never really my plan to be an entrepreneur. I worked in PR before I started day management and I really loved it. And I thought for a period of time, 
I'm going to be doing this forever. And then there was, you know, a shift in the media landscape and there was opportunity. And I think just having that big picture approach and understanding that this could be something huge, that was kind of the entrepreneurial spirit in me. But yeah, in my childhood and growing up, there was no one that I modeled that off. I don't even know how it happens. And we all joke about it at Christmas time. Everyone's like, where did Jen come from? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. How can we get better at looking at the big picture? what What a question. I think people get so bogged down in details, which details are important and I've had to teach myself to pay more attention to the details over time because it's not my skill set. But I think there's so much opportunity when taking a step back and looking at the big picture. And I always try and be solution focused with everything at work, in my personal life. And so if there's any form of conflict or if there's something that needs a resolution, just taking that step back and looking at the whole scope I think it's so much easier to then see how we can be improving things. How can we be doing things better to streamline processes? How can we be solving problems in that sense by looking bigger? So it's almost like expanding the mindset. Zooming out is a term that I use in the office every single day. I'm like, let's zoom out here because we're looking at a short-term goal. And that can really get you unstuck just by thinking bigger and broader and sometimes even dreaming bigger. So a lot of the things that I've achieved in my career is just like a long shot that I thought would never be possible. And I'm like, I'm just going to go for it because that's my big picture goal. And I'm going to do these little steps today to get there and I'm going to shoot my shot. And then, you know, jumped a few rings on the ladder from doing that and being able to accelerate even faster, whether I think if I was struck down in in a business plan with little steps and little goals and details, I think it can actually be a bit paralyzing for people. I agree, but it's also so tough to dream big sometimes, you know? It's like, who am I to try and get that influencer as my client? Or who am I to, you know, quit my job and and chase my passion? You know, was there ever a moment for you where you just thought, oh my goodness, Jen, like, we're thinking way too big. It's never going to happen. And if that was the case, how did you kind of navigate through that? Oh, absolutely. I think (laughs) what I've always felt is if I've given it a go, then that's, I've done everything that I can do and I'll feel proud in that. And even in my early days, you know, big ambassador roles, I'd be going to these brands saying, okay, Maya, I want my talent to be your fashions on the field ambassador for the spring racing carnival. And they probably were never going to choose my talent at the time because they were smaller influencers and, you know, the landscape then they were focusing on wags and models and just a whole different lane. But as long as I had had that conversation and done everything in my ability, even if the answer was no, which it often was no, I still could feel good and proud about that. And so I think I would not view it as, oh, I'm not meeting that big lofty goal. It was like, well, great. I got in front of them and I threw my hat in the ring. And that's all I can really do. That's something that I have control over. And I found that really helpful. And especially with, you know, people that have anxieties and it can be a lot of unknowns and a lot of rejection in industries, especially that I'm in. As long as you can do what you're in control of and do that to your best ability, Mm. then you can sleep happy that night. And look, a lot of great conversations I've had with people have just been raising the question, do you think we can do this? Would you like to do a book deal with this talent? Can this person be a presenter on your TV show? And sometimes they say, not now. Sometimes they say, it's not right for us, but what about this other talent of yours? Sometimes they say, yes. And so as long as I'm out there having the conversations that I'm in control of to try and get there, I feel like I've succeeded no matter what the answer is, even if it's a yes or a no. Um, And I think as well, like when you start to have a few wins It almost feels like anything's possible Mm -hmm. and that's really powerful to harness that as well. It's that positivity because I've done something cool before. I've I've sold a book deal before, so why can't I sell another one? And so I think that's been really powerful to harness it. Well, I know it's a possibility. I have to take steps to get there and 
leave that imposter syndrome at the door because I know I can do it and it might not happen today. It might not be the right project right now for me, but, you know, building a relationship with someone by throwing your hat in the ring and getting in front of them is never a waste of your time. Such valuable advice. I love it. So I want to dive a bit deeper into the story. You know, you've come from a family of lawyers, doctors, teachers, all all the traditional amazing stuff. And you decide to head out to, I think it was study at RMIT here in Melbourne, Bachelor of Media and Communications. Can you talk to us a little bit about where your head was at at that time? You know, what you really wanted from studying that and what the vision for your life was at that point? Absolutely. And I love that everyone has a vision for their life at what, 19, which I think is just so <laughs> how cute. How cute that 19-year-old Jen had done. <laughs> that plan did not happen at all and it turned out way better. And I wish I could tell 19-year-old Jen just to calm down and relax. But, yeah, I was a very... Um, I had a great time in high school. I was super studious. I was dance captain. I was in all the musicals. I did really well at school and I found school quite easy per se for my skill set. I found that it was linear. If I put in effort, I could get good grades. And so I go into university with this really quite exclusive course at RMIT. They only took 100 people in my year level. And I go there and I realize that the learning style is so different and it's like the goalposts had been moved from one end of the field to the other. And I was really bad at uni. (laughs) Like I literally went from being a straight A plus student at school to almost failing some things because I just didn't understand the different goalposts. And I was like, I don't quite get it. I'm doing the same amount of effort and the work, but the thinking style was so different. And so I found that challenging personally of someone handing me almost a fail grade, which I'd never gotten in my entire life before. And the other struggle was I was already working in PR by that stage. I was doing some interning and I was working part-time. So I was short on time as well. I didn't have as much, you know, free time and energy to be putting effort into my studies at uni. So no wonder my grades weren't very good. And I think I did break my parents' heart a little bit because I didn't graduate with distinction, which in the day household, that's (laughs) no, no. (laughs) So I think the reason I want to, you know, say that is everybody looks at people who might have achieved a lot and be in certain industries. But yeah, I was not great at uni and I just wanted to be working. I think I found it difficult because I was in a real life example of what I was learning. So they were teaching me about media releases and how to do a strategy, but I was already doing that in an office. And so I always had this huge hunger in me that I just wanted to be out there, like let me into the world. I'm ready to go. (laughs) And there was so much passion and drive there. I wanted to be the best of it. I didn't want to wait in the classroom at RMIT. So I finished my degree there and look, I had an amazing time and I made some fantastic connections that I still get to work with, which I love, you know, getting an email from someone in a PR agency who I went to university with. It's such a nice feeling to have that connection. And again, especially in this industry, like networking is everything. So it was so valuable from a networking perspective. Um, but then I went straight working full-time in PR after that and I was, yeah, couldn't be held back. I found the whole thing so exciting. It was a big part of my identity. I was like, this is me. I'm Jen, the PR girl, like, and I'm going to be at, you know, the door bitch at that event and I'm packing gift bags and it just filled my cup so much as a little 20-year-old and 21-year-old when I first started and I just loved everything about the industry, the creativity, the clients I were working on were luxury hotels and spas and, you know, five, three-headed restaurants and five-star places. And it was all very sparkly and fun to a young, excitable girl. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, look, uni was amazing. And I think it taught a lot to so many people who hadn't had that real life experience yet. I just had an interesting yeah, experience with it by doing twofold, the real life journey and the, you know, theoretical university time, which I was bad at 
studying for. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't we all? Yeah. No, I, I absolutely love that you mentioned that. And I, I think something that you said just really stuck with me. I was doing something that made my glass feel full. Yeah. How can we get better at figuring out what it is that makes our glass feel full? I think finding those passion points, it's such like that gut reaction, isn't it? It's something that actually feels almost physical and it can just be those little like butterflies, almost like when you're, you know, dating a new guy you've just met. That's how I felt about my job. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a guy, guys, it's my job. Yeah, I'm very fulfilled. So yeah, that was fantastic. And I think I I felt it physically that that was my passion. And it's just, you know, pure excitement. It's that unadulterated excitement. And I think that's how people can really try and find that point in their life of what should I pursue? What am I passionate about? You know, again, stepping back, big picture style, looking what gives you joy and what gives you excitement. And I think for me, that industry... It harnessed my people skills. I got to hang out with people that were like-minded and, you know, build connections, which was then made my job quite easy because I loved being around people and I loved, you know, making meaningful connections with them. And it got to a stage where I would have to travel with a lot of editors and influencers at that stage. This is around 2013, 2014 maybe. And I had to go to Bali to launch a resort there. And I had to stay there for two weeks and host them at this hotel resort and make sure they had the best time and write the best article about it. And of course you get to know people really well in that situation. And I just loved it, not just because I was in Bali for two weeks, but yeah, having that meaningful human connection as part of your job, I found that so fantastic. And being able to be creative and then see the fruits of your labor by opening up a magazine and there's a four page spread on your client like that tangible nature of oh my goodness I did this so that also brought a lot of joy um and yeah I just think if I could harness or get some of that energy back of being 21 22 23 like if they made that in a powder I'd pour it into my smoothie daily (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was kind of my starting position in PR and I stayed at that same agency for six years um, until I ended up starting day management. So I really only had one job before day management and it's fascinating because everything that I loved about PR, it was also kind of the golden years. Like since I've left that industry, you know, all the magazines have closed and the media staff is halved or less. It's such a different way of working now if I was to stay in that same environment. So I think I really got out at a good time because I got to experience some of the golden years and then move on to the new exciting growth industry while still harnessing the connections and being able to, yeah, use my people skills and creativity just in a different way. I absolutely love that. And I, I couldn't agree more being able to apply what we've learned into kind of what's new and exciting and fresh. But, you know, for our peers out there listening who are thinking, man, she's lucky. You know, she started this epic agency. It was all the right time. Like the stars are aligned. Yeah. And perhaps they feel like maybe it was by accident or maybe for them they're just not going to get as lucky. You know, what advice would you have to our peers out there listening who are really struggling right now with where they're at? You know, maybe they've just started working their full-time job or maybe they've started a side hustle and it's just not working out for them. You know, what advice would you have on this ability to perhaps create new opportunities for yourself? Well, I think I'd start by saying I don't believe in luck. I believe in tenacity. And I'm probably doing too good of a job of glossing over some of those details. <laughs> I'm going to jump back a few steps. <laughs> love um, it. I loved my PR job and I was very fortunate to land that internship and I just stayed put. I didn't jump around. I did have a feeling, and it's quite funny and serendipitous, but I had a feeling that I knew I wanted to work with talent 
And in America, they have a setup where it's like you have a talent manager and then you have a publicist for a celebrity, for example. But in Australia, obviously, it's a smaller industry. So say your celebrity is on Home and Away. They don't have a publicist in the management team that would be like Channel 7's role to publicize them. And so I had this idea as a 20-year-old, I think I was at the time, that I wanted to be a publicist for talent, but I was passionate about it. And I reached out to every single talent management company and they, you know, represented actors and radio stars like the Hamish and Andes. And this is much before influencers even were born. And I reached out to every single one of them and I said, I want to do this for your company. I think it has merit. And they all said, darling, that job doesn't exist. Like it's not, not for us. But I kind of saw the potential of building their brand, not just booking them a job on Fox FM or booking them mm. an ad deal for Sportsbet or whatever it might be. I was like, there's something here in the brand management and the positioning of that and, you know, elevating the awareness and aligning with like-minded brands. I saw this way back then before Instagram was a thing. And every single person said no to me. And I emailed this one talent agency every two months for about a year. Like, I I think I'm really good. I want to come work with you. And they were like, thank you again for your email, Jen. It's still a no. (laughs) And even when I had the idea of doing day management, I didn't just have the balls to do it on my own straight away. I actually took this idea to someone else. And I took it to this fantastic manager who had been in the industry for like 15 years and she looked after Rebecca Judd and Adam Goods and Jimmy Bartell and I really respected her. And she had a coffee with me and I said, I want to open an influencer arm of your agency so you can still do your really huge sports star celebrities and I want to do these influencers. And she said, oh, it's just a bit hard. Like I've just had a baby and there's not much money in social media and oh, it's just not right for me. I'm just not going to do it. So I was told no again. So I've been given a whole heap of no's, but I had something in my gut that was like, this is going to be a thing. And I think you should just give it a go. And I was starting to feel quite burnt out by year six of being in this PR industry. And that's when I decided to do it on my own. And I launched it in secret from my bedroom as I'm still working full time because I was like, what if it doesn't work? I've got bills to pay. (laughs) And I said to my parents at the time, I said, if I can't pay my rent when I do this startup, like, could I come and move in with you if that happens? And they said, no. They said, if you can't pay your rent, what are you doing they're like, if you cannot even pay your rent, then you don't, this isn't a business venture. This isn't a successful venture then. Like, think of it like that. I mean, of course, I wouldn't be on the street. They wouldn't want me to say, but <laughs> it was their way of saying, you need to make at least this much money or it's not worth it. And so I started it in secret and I slowly chipped away and I was working till midnight and on my lunch breaks and before my job And then finally I got to a stage where I was like, wow, I'm actually out earning my nine to five. And that's when I left my first job. So, you know, the first round of the story sounds very exciting that I jumped in this opportunity and I went for it and it all worked out. But I really, I mitigated a lot of risk by saying, can I actually do this? Is it feasible? Is it going to be a growth industry or will this be a flop? Like I didn't know, but I made sure I had my ass covered basically. And yeah, I was told about 17 no's before I decided to do it on my own. So I think people out there, they often see the sparkly glitz and glory as we all do when, you know, I look at my idols and my mentors and I see that as well. So I think Everybody has adversity and as long as you're tenacious enough to keep pushing in what you believe in, then I truly think anything is possible. Oh, I love it. Thank you for being so real with us, Jen. This is what this podcast (laughs) is about. For our peers out there listening who perhaps have been 
where you were beat down so many no's you know I just think back to not think back I'm so so still in it yeah you know first three and a half years it just oh my goodness and they feel like perhaps they don't have much left in the tank what would be your advice to us oh and it's so hard when you're in that moment and I still have those days where I'm like I don't know where I'm gonna pull this energy from to get through another hurdle And I think that's a misconception when you work for yourself. Everything's going to be amazing all the time. But sometimes you're like, well, I'm also tired and I, I want a day off even when it's my own job and my own company. I think taking space can also be such a blessing when people are feeling beat down and really, you know, struggling with the energy to push forward. I find actually stepping away is such an amazing tool And giving yourself space to do something totally different can bring new perspective. It can just give you the break to recover and recoup that energy again. And then unfortunately, the only way is through and somehow finding the courage and the energy to keep on pushing. And, you know, part of my personality, I don't like taking no for an answer. So I quite enjoy the push. (laughs) I love getting (laughs) in. Yeah. So I think if you reposition that struggle as a bit of, you know, it's almost like a fun game trying to get to the yes. The no doesn't feel like a block. It feels like a bit of a dance you're doing. It's just something in your way. I'm going to step sideways and push something else. So Yeah, I think for anyone listening who is feeling beat up and beat down about it, as we all have been, take space, be kind to yourself, and then find another way to push forward. When was a time, perhaps recently or even in the early days, where you found a way to push forward? I think, I mean, last year was so fascinating (laughs) what a weird human case study to have lived and worked through crazy and there was that uncertainty when it first all went down in March April last year and we had a lot of people who were unsure of their campaigns and I had a lot of people cancel huge big bookings and they were scared and they were worried that they wouldn't have that marketing budget or everyone was concerned because of the unknown And we had to not sit here and, you know, cry about the tens of thousands of dollars of bookings and what's happening with that. But instead we have to just be smart and think, well, how can we help people during this time? How can we add value to ensure we still get marketing budget when the whole world is up in arms and topsy-turvy and upside down? So I think that could be an example where we, innovated and firstly we went out to all the small businesses we worked with and said let's discount our rates because we want to help you as well like we're not here to profit off a pandemic we want to support people that have supported us and then the second approach we just obviously utilized the fact that people were at home and online and most people hadn't lost their jobs and most people had that extra money to spend because they couldn't go out So we did some really cool campaigns all around skincare and spa treatments at home or cooking classes. We did a virtual DJ from Flex's living room, like a set with her DJ. We did online book launches. We did so many clever ways to still market our collaborations, but that real pivot and going around it where the first answer would have been, no, we can't do it right now because there's a pandemic going on. And the second response is us saying, well, actually, let's be smart and do it this way instead. And so that was kind of a way we got to turn that no into a yes by, yeah, just kind of relating to the people we're speaking to, easing their anxiety about what's happening and just being clever about our business offerings. So, so clever. And I... I just love the fact that 
you're you're doing it for the people you know you're not i love when you said you know we discounted our stuff we just wanted to try and help people i think that's such the core of a really great business and one with a purpose behind it um so kudos yeah kudos to you guys for for getting through it what a year year. i want to shift gears a little bit and talk about the build. You know, you said in those early days you were just hustling from your bedroom. It was secret. No one knew. You still had your job. And then at some point it started to out-earn kind of what you were doing in your job. What were those kind of coming years like for you and how did you manage kind of being a first-time founder and, and trying to do it all and building a team and all that comes with it? How did you navigate through that? And what was that time like for you? I think I navigated it incredibly clumsy. There was no (laughs) grace in how I went about it. I felt like I was baby Bambi, you know, when they just try and walk and just falling over everywhere. But I, I love 2015, Jen, for doing that and just getting back up. I'm like, damn, girl, like you had attitude and balls and everything which again harnessing that youthful naivety is such a skill set so basically when I started I I had no clue what I was doing and I'm the first to say that I don't think anyone really does and especially I was starting an industry that didn't really have what I was doing so I was trying to kind of emulate the way that model agencies were doing bookings for models and then kind of trying to figure out pricing for influencers and what was the value of that. I was trying to educate people on why they needed influencer marketing because, again, the year is 2015. And to give context, Instagram stories didn't exist yet. Instagram reels weren't around. It was just an Instagram post. (laughs) So there was a lot of education that I had to try and do. When I was hustling, it wasn't just do you want to work with me. It was this is why you should think about influencer marketing and then try and get the job second to that. Um, it was a lot of knocking on doors and just trying to get my name out there. I was going to a lot of events a lot to try and, you know, be seen with other influencers and make connections that way, which, you know, is very tiring when you work seven days a week and you have to go to things in the evening and on the weekends. Um, I started just writing down all the bookings in a notepad before I realized maybe make a spreadsheet, maybe get zero. Like it was really basic bare bones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so it kind of took me a while then to find the magic formula of how it works and how I can add value. And I think from the early days, people's response to me was always, thank you for being quick. Thank you for being like upfront and transparent and thank you for the quality of your content. And so I realized if I could ensure those three things that I was always transparent with people, I was, you know, never doing anything shifty or dodgy. I was always being open and having big conversations and I was really bloody quick. I still have a 24-hour reply rule. So quick. So quick. Because that was the PR girl in me. And there was a lot of people who were kind of lazy in that industry that wouldn't get back to you for a week and a half. But I realized if someone had a bucket of marketing budget and I replied first, I could get most of that bucket. So that was something I realized as part of the formula for success. And after about a year, I think I kind of had it down pat. And it took me maybe 18 months to hire a um, part-time support staff and I was under the very false assumption that it would lose the essence of the business if I expanded because I thought it's day management I'm Genevieve Day people will want me they're not going to want to talk to anyone else which again very nice ego boost of myself that also strangled me (laughs) yeah so then After a while, I realized I had a lot of talent coming to me wanting to join the agency and I was drowning in the work and I couldn't meet other opportunities because I didn't have an extended list of talent offerings. So I finally decided to hire some more people and then, of course, everything grew even faster. And then I would hire another person and it would grow even faster. And I realized 
actually, this makes my life so much better having a fantastic team working alongside me. And so now I have six employees, um, which are amazing. And it means that, you know, the culture is so much more fun than me just working on my own. And we love hanging out together and coming to the office and we have a really fun time and we all work really hard. But we also know at the end of the day, we're just, if we're selling shampoo and something doesn't go right, no it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the, the growth experience. I was almost, um, yeah, I was almost the chokehold of my own business because I didn't want to invest into it. I was also scared of committing to someone's salary because that's that's my money and what if you don't get the jobs in? It's so scary. And then you realise the more that you invest in yourself and in your company, the more results you get out of that. So it's taken me, I think it took me too long to come to that understanding and I wish I did it sooner. But I, yeah, I never imagined having the big office and the lots of staff and lots of talent. I always thought it would just be me as a sole trader. And then I had to really shift gears and I've never been happier than how I am right now. Oh, Jen, it's so amazing and just so inspiring. And I think, you know, once again, go young Jen that had made that shift. It's so tough. Like even for myself now, I mean, got quite a few contractors, but that full-time role is still, you know, I'm holding on, (laughs) you know, it's scary. And so I just have a deep level of respect for the fact that you ended up letting go. And I also just think as women as well, we have you know, we, we, we almost like, this is my baby. And we become very territorial and motherly mm-hmm. around it when really at the end of the day, we're, we're here to serve people. And, you know, I mean, I'm really just talking to myself. I hopefully our peers out there listening came value from what I'm saying, but yeah, I, I love that. Definitely. It's so scary. And also, cause at the end of the day, it's your pocket, it's your profit. Yeah. And so to have to devote so much of it out and then say, you don't have a really great sales month it's like terrifying still. And that's always in my brain. And as much as I'm a creative person, I love the spreadsheets and I love making sure I'm on top of all those financial movings and comings and goings. So it's something that I'm so hyper aware of. And I want to always make sure that I'm on top of that because yeah, I've got lots of mouths to feed in my (laughs) girls. And you know, we eat a lot. So I mean, (laughs) I absolutely love it, Jen. Oh, my goodness. We could talk for days. I am mindful of your time, though, and so I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what do you believe has been your greatest success and failure to date? Ooh. Mm. So the term failure to me means that you've given up. So if something were to happen and I gave up, and I shut the day management office doors, that's me failing. So I'm not going to say I've failed yet because we're still here. And that doesn't mean that I haven't messed up many times. I've messed up publicly. I've messed up privately. Like there's been many hurdles. And I think as long as you can extract a lesson from that and be better the next day, then you've never failed. So, yeah, and I think the failures in inverted commas can be anything from not being vigilant and the details and a job, you know, missing out on something or like as little as those minutia in your every day. Like that's something I had to learn the hard way where I was like, I need to be more on top of this because I can't be sloppy and things can't slip through the cracks because people trust me with their careers and their livelihood. So I need to be on top of everything. And then there's been big failures in terms of like, you know, hiring someone in a panic rather than waiting for the best person, which in my early days, something that I did because I just had too much work and I was drowning and my mental health was suffering and I just needed the help and not doing my due diligence and making sure that person was perfect for the role. And again, that was probably like four years ago now when it was, yeah, it's so hard to to learn those things when it's your first time as well. And I think we're faced with challenges every single day, but 
yeah, there's always a tomorrow. And again, having the courage, the tenacity to own up to your mistakes and learn from them means that you'll never fail. And then my greatest success, I mean, I think internally the culture that we've built with the team, I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that people love to come to work here and they're excited by what they do and they feel passionate about it. And even if I'm not there, they continue, you know, the name, the same value of work. My appendix almost exploded about a month ago when I had to have my appendix out, which has, again, a workaholic being told, well, you have to go into surgery. My first question to the surgeon was, well, when can I go back to work? (laughs) (laughs) Naturally, I mean. (laughs) Naturally. And I made my partner bring in my laptop before my surgery to do a handover because I know I'm going to be unconscious. And so, like, psycho behaviour, but... Again, it was that trust where I was just so concerned, what's going to happen because without me, will it run okay? And of course it did. It was fantastic and the, the team's amazing. And, yeah, so I'm very proud of that internally, that that's something that I've built over many years and I didn't get right initially and I think I have now. And then, I mean, we've done really cool big campaigns that I love because I love showing to people who think influencer marketing is just an Instagram post. I love saying, well, look at that billboard because that's my client. And did you see Flex Mommy on a bus with zip pay or in every single bras and things store this month or in the TVC commercial? And I think that's really cool to me when we get to say we're doing so much more when people roll their eyes about influencers, they have no idea. So I love those really big tangible campaigns where we get to see our talent, yeah, have a physical product collaboration that they've designed or a book that they've written or they're on a TV commercial. I think that's really cool. And even every Wednesday on the Day Management Instagram, we do a Wednesday wrap and we just share posts that have gone live that week. And each week I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's so cool because I'm so proud of the quantity and the quality of the work that we produce consistently and that's just every single week. So I think that's a success in itself as well. And, yeah, I think as long as you're proud of what you're doing, that's a success. It doesn't have to be a big award. I mean, I'm going to drop Forbes 30 under 30. That felt really good. <laughs> I was, as soon as I was like, it's coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that was a massive success. And I, I love that. That was really cool and so flattering. But if I'm being honest, the culture in my work and that I'm proud of what I'm doing means so much more than Forbes. So amazing. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Jen, for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us, particularly us, you know, ambitious young females, that if we have that goal and that vision and that dream, we can actually go out there and make it happen. It's not impossible, although it may be hard. And for that, we really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. It's so inspirational to have these like-minded people around. And I I love listening to other people's founding stories. And so I hope that there was a tiny nugget of wisdom in there somewhere in my ramblings. (laughs) So many. I love it. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think the value is the drive that it gives you or even the reason why. I think pursuing your passion is the reason why you get up in the morning. It's the reason why when things feel really hard, you keep going It's the reason why when it seems like some of your friends have it so much easier with someone else giving you sick leave and superannuation and paid mat leave, (laughs) like, oh, what a luxury. I'm so scared to have a baby because I already have a day management baby. (laughs) (laughs) Things like that. It feels like they've taken an easy road. 
but the value of following your passion is the reason why you do it. And I think that there's no security. There's so many extra struggles that people would not really understand if they're not their own, you know, employers themselves. And it's really hard. It can feel really isolating, but I think that not many people get to soar this high and the highs feel really, really good. So I think that would be, yeah, the value is the reason why we do what we do. Oh, I love it. Jen Day, we've had an absolute blast. Thank you so, so much. Where can we learn more about you and day management? Well, I, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm actually on private on Instagram these days, which is a new development. So I'm going to direct you to the day management Instagram page instead at day management. And you'll see a very fun portfolio of our work there. Perfect. Um, and then, yeah, on LinkedIn at Genevieve Day, which I think LinkedIn's having a really a big moment. 100%. It's all the rage. It's, <laughs> it's all the rage. Maybe I'm just 30 now, so I feel old. <laughs> no, I absolutely love that. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. And for everyone else listening, we will end Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest beer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst 